0: I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and today on Fifth Emission, we're talking about a new push to, quote, make federal buildings beautiful again. So when you think about federal buildings, do you think about marble edifices with columns? Or do you also consider modern office buildings like the one at 7th and Mission Streets in San Francisco? And does it even matter what we build? Joining me today to talk about this is urban design critic John King. So John, who is it that is demanding that we make federal buildings beautiful again?
1: This strange brouhaha, which might end up with an executive order signed by Donald J. Trump, is kind of being started or fueled by members of a small group, the National Civic Arts Society. They're based in Washington, D.C. They are buffs of classical art and architecture who essentially formed about a decade or so ago to fight what they saw as this scourge of kind of soulless contemporary buildings and designs and public sculptures that they felt were undermining kind of the democratic ideals and the American ideals that federal buildings and sculptures should, in fact, represent.
0: So you're saying they think modern design is undemocratic?
1: Yes, they do. Okay. Basically, in the draft of the executive order that Trump may or may not have seen, but it's been kicking around Washington for several months— administration people have been meeting with groups like the American Institute of Architects. It talks about how essentially for a century and a half, America's federal architecture produced beautiful and beloved buildings. And the ones now are just considered uninspiring. And worse than that, they inspire public derision instead of admiration. So essentially modern buildings undercut America's values of democratic self-government, and so
0: I, I, I assume this is because what the classical architecture goes back to Roman eras, and so so does democracy. I mean, how are those? Yeah, things that linked?
1: well, essentially, when the government start when when the United States became an independent nation, Roman and Greek architectural styles were the styles of the day, and so the country built a lot of buildings in those styles. And it's like, oh, look, you know. We're using Roman designs. We're using arches and columns because they symbolize Rome and Greece and the roots of democracy and things like that. And essentially, it was kind of the default, but it came and went. You know, you had buildings in all sorts of styles. But then after World War II, there was this real embrace in government architecture like everything else of kind of right angle modernism and so on and so forth. And it produced a lot of really bad buildings. And there was a big fight in the 60s about a lot of really bad buildings. And pretty much it seemed like everything got settled. But then a few classical music fans dusted off the fight. Two of them have been named to a federal commission that oversees government buildings in Washington, D.C. And they've been pushing for Trump to essentially make classical architecture and traditional architectural styles the preferred default in government buildings.
0: Is there any other example of something that has to get to that deals with architecture that has to be dealt with in an executive order? This seems like a very extreme way to go about this.
1: Yeah, that's what troubles me about it. And and it's funny because one of the buildings being held up as an example of how terrible government buildings are Is the federal building at 7th and Mission Street that opened in 2007. It's this big swashbuckling, uber-contemporary building that is flawed in a lot of ways. There are some things about it I really like. There are some things I really don't like. There are ways it's naive, whatever. That said, the reason for an executive order is if you can get Donald Trump to pull out his Sharpie and write his name at the bottom of the page, that becomes an order from the president of the United States. So even though the classical buffs are saying this is what everyone wants, this is the true architecture of the public, what they're doing is they've been going behind closed doors for the last six or nine months, trying to get an executive order signed.
0: And is this more another example of the San Francisco versus the rest of the world sort of thing, or is it is it about something else? Are there other examples of federal buildings that they absolutely hate?
1: They have a long list of them. Uh, many of them are buildings from the 50s and 60s, brutalist buildings. But they made a point of saying, uh, here I'm paraphrasing, the scourge continues and so they held up three buildings as being relatively recent government federal buildings that have little aesthetic appeal and that should, instead of inspiring respect, it's bewilderness or repugnance. One is a courthouse in Miami, one is a courthouse in Austin, Texas, and the third is the federal building. And I talked with a member of the Civic Arts Society who in fact knows the federal building well here. I don't think it's one of these let's go after San Francisco. It's more this building kind of got pulled into the debate. And part of it is a lot of people go to San Francisco. You know, a lot of visitors come here. And so if you love classical architecture and you go to City Hall and you love it, And then you go to the federal courthouse across the street at 7th and Mission, because it's an incredibly nice building. I fully love it. And then you think to yourself, what the heck is that ugly thing across the street? And a decade later, it's in the executive order. That's amazing.
0: Is there any reason that classical buildings versus modern ones are actually superior? Or is it just an aesthetic?
1: At this point, it's aesthetics as a political, cultural argument. I mean, honestly, I love classical buildings. I love classic government buildings. I love City Hall. I love the Library of Congress. I love all those great buildings. But the thing is, those were built in a wholly different world. You had different labor laws. You had different material costs. There's no way that you could be slathering on marble and wood paneling and tile work and all these things you'll find in the old courthouse at 7th and Mission and build them classical buildings today when they're built in reverence of classical styles they tend to be precast concrete they look thick they look unimaginative instead of inspiring respect they're kind of like are we just going to go stick our heads in the sand and pretend it's still 1907 i mean it's it's not so much that the notion of saying any architectural style is moral or immoral i think is ridiculous The fact is, though, the classical buildings we love were built in a world that no longer exists.
0: I'm speaking with architecture critic John King about a new movement to require federal buildings to be made in a classical style. We'll be right back after this. John, maybe it would be helpful to everybody if you just gave like a government building construction 101. How do we settle on the styles that we settle on right now with government buildings?
1: Two ways. One is that for kind of your basic government building above, you know, a garage or something, the federal government in different regions selects architects it will draw on to then do projects in these different regions. You kind of pre-qualify. And I think there's one local architecture firm, Cavanero Associates, and they recently qualified. So they'll be called in to work on some federal project. For the really big ones, the federal government since 1994 has had what it calls a design excellence program where it will hold architectural competitions to kind of select the architect for the courthouse or select the architect for the big building or the high-profile government building. Things like that are kind of done like any other architectural competition. There's a request for proposals. The firms that are selected then submit full proposals. A design jury selects one of them. who's who's on this design jury excellent question that's exactly where i was going (laughs) it tends to be you'll have a bureaucrat who works you know for instance the san francisco federal building which opened in 2007 the design jury included one of the people who kind of a manager there to see if it fit the program and things and then usually like maybe an outside architect, and then it might also be like some kind of architectural critic or something like that. I don't mean someone like me to come in, but just someone who's felt to kind of essentially know the realm and the world of what's involved. Somebody with good taste. Yes. and But that gets into the whole issue of what is the good taste. As I wrote in my piece, the proposed executive order, it says that for any buildings that have design competitions. There have to be public panels to provide comments on what they think about the design. And the public panels cannot use architects, engineers, builders, critics, artists, essentially saying, oh, you elitists think you know what you're talking about. You're not the real person. You're not the regular public. They don't count. So this kind of strange thing where instead of Let's have a design jury. It becomes we don't want any of those highfalutin, black-clad, round-glass-wearing elitists telling us what this building should look like. Let us do it. Look at this edict that says – "captain." you know. So it, it's it. it's just very – it's very strange.
0: So that's one way they can be mm-hmm. chosen. What was the other way that they could be chosen?
1: The other way would just be to say, okay, Audrey Cooper and Associates – has qualified to be an architecture firm that will work for the western region of the federal government. So then when the western region is, say, building who knows what, like a court a small courthouse, you know, a courthouse in Reading. They'll go down the list, they'll grab you, they'll bring you in for it.
0: So you have to have a building of, like, significant import before it goes through the full-blown process, essentially. Yes, yes. Okay. Yes. So one of the examples that you already used in this is um, the bad history of brutalism. Mm-hmm. Can you explain what brutalism is and why you and I have a fight every <laughs> single year about
1: the city built, city hall in Boston? You know, to keep it as short as possible, Brutalism was very much in vogue in the early to late 60s. It trailed on into the mid-70s. And it consists of big, very modern, thick concrete buildings, essentially structural concrete buildings that wear their concrete as a badge of pride and are determinedly modern for the time. And they're very much about like kind of trying to send new messages about what government should be. And a a lot of them are in Washington, D.C., and a lot of them are really terrible. I mean, one of the buildings that's mentioned in the proposed order, which again, Trump has not signed, this thing just kind of leaked out, and the White House hasn't commented on it, uh, is the FBI headquarters, this really awful, grim building down near the mall Yeah, there are a lot of terrible, brutalist buildings. And those the thing is, those were the style when there was a lot of federal money kicking around. So the feds were building a number of buildings. And in Washington, they were building gazillions of buildings. And so you have a lot from that like 10-year era. But then they fell out of style because for every masterpiece, (laughs) like a Boston City Hall Uh that invites people to rethink the notion of the city – which many people disagree with, including my beloved editor, including me. <laughs> uh, a lot of them were just these big, cheap buildings. One of the problems with the brutalism is that people soon realize you could build them cheap. You just pour a bunch of concrete and you don't even have to finish them because that's brutal. And that's another reason they fell out of favor. The San Francisco Bay Area doesn't have a whole number of them. It's mm-hmm. much more much more an East Coast thing.
0: So the other question I, I had when I when I read this, this story was, this seems very impractical. I mean, forget what you said about, you know, you can't get the same materials in the same right. way. Labor is super expensive and it wasn't 200 years right. ago in the same way. So you could do a lot of detail work that would be extraordinarily expensive now. But what would the federal building at 7th and Mission, which must have Hundreds and hundreds of employees who work there—it's a large building—is it even practical to build buildings like we need now for a modern workforce, even a modern government workforce, in this style?
1: Yeah, I mean the the federal building at Seventh and Mission has fifteen hundred employees in it. You know, so that's a lot of people, and so it's not so much you'd have something that looks like a federal courthouse, but it talks about. Styles would be dictated in Washington, but outside of Washington, it should just be classical architectural styles that value beauty, respect, regional architectural heritage, and command admiration by the public, which means nothing really except a conservative tone. But I think it would be like, well, you could have a big office building, but that big office building should be kind of decorated with some columns and things like that, (laughs) you know, kind of An example that's actually a pretty good example, which I wanted to mention in the story, but you can only take so many digressions on the way. The Oakland Federal Building is a pair of towers from the early mid-90s, and they're in a contextual architectural style. I think they're done with like sandstone and things. They're obviously modern buildings, but they're very much in kind of like a classical air. I would guess something like that would pass muster. Interesting, yeah.
0: yeah. Isn't this ultimately? It seems to me the thing that's so worrisome about this is some of the some of the largest budgets we have. Like, forget the condo buildings right. with, the, with the glass curtain walls and all of that, but some of the most significant buildings that you can build in the community are federal and government buildings, and it is public art. And it is these things that as we move forward become more modern just because society becomes more modern. And isn't this ultimately regulating and restricting that progression of an art form, which is
1: architecture? Yes, but also beyond that, I mean, one of the things I love about architecture and urban design is it really does reflect the aspirations of a given age, a given region, a given moment. And even a building like the federal building at 7th and Mission with its flaws, it's showing these are values that are of importance to our society now, the striving for sustainability, the striving for public access, things like that. Because it has a
0: large public plaza, it has operable windows, and it, it has weird elevators.
1: And, well, yes, and it has a <laughs> wonderful three-story high open-air public space from the 11th to 14th floors, which is great. You know, you have to go through security to get there. The building was designed before 9-11, even though it was built after 9-11. Whereas the notion that somehow all that matters is what wrapping you put on the box is saying that really the aspirations of government don't matter. We just have to kind of look like the 21st century never happened and that we can turn back the clock to a supposedly idyllic past.
0: So what do you think is the best way to move forward? Because as you mentioned, there clearly are government buildings that are problems. Is there a way to improve the system and improve our expectations without going to, you know, an executive order that says everything has to be in the same style?
1: I think that the system pretty much has improved, personally. There is a real genuine commitment to design among the federal people that oversee these projects in the General Services Administration. And architecture, bless it, is shaking off some of the hubris of the last 20 years, which is everybody's Frank Gehry. We all want to do big, aggressive, assertive things. I mean, that's one of the weird things about this fight. So this National Civic Arts Society is aiming its ire at the federal building designed by Tom Main from Santa Monica. He's 76 years old. You know, it's not like They're trying to stop these 25-year-olds. It's this kind of weird leftover cultural fight going back to the 70s. The fact is the newer architects who are kind of beginning to rise in the profession, especially the public aspect of it, they don't have that kind of swashbuckling Blade Runner-esque style. It's more of a how do we make this building as environmentally friendly as possible, as net zero as possible – and that's the kind of issues being played out right now rather than architecture as sculpture. Well, I think you you, you said this really well, but I always like to
0: remember that architecture is a product – of the time in which it was created. And I think that's a good thing for everybody to remember, even when we walk by ugly buildings like there are in Boston and (laughs) remember what it was that got us to that point. Uh, John King, you are always making architecture criticism great again. And I appreciate you being on the podcast today. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you to urban design critic John King for being with me today. Thanks to King Coffin and Karen Creighton for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. Fifth Emission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com pod.
1: Fun. How long was it? Twenty. Huh? No. no uh, it wasn't 20 that long. Twenty minutes. All right. Cool. All right. Lengthwise. A little long. About. Nope. alright.
0: Do an outro. Yep. Thank you to John King for being with me today. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. Did I? You know, Thanks to architecture critic John King. Mm, That's not your title. (laughs) Thank you to urban design critic John King for being with me today. Thanks to King Kaufman and Karen Creighton for producing this episode. And thank you for listening.